Hello, Hampton Roads area. It's March the 10th, 2020, and welcome to today's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. You're listening to us on WGPL, WPCE, and WBXB. That's on your radio. You can also join us at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com on the internet. It's time to once again break down and discuss and offer insight into relationship dynamics. We purpose to help you repair, enhance, grow, and perfect your marriage and family relationships. And there's another important purpose behind what we do here also. We want to help you identify yourself and your motives in all of your relationships. And I know that I'm specifically biased, but I believe that this is an important program that offers our listeners an opportunity to receive exposure of some issues in their lives, in their hearts, binding their souls, offers you the opportunity to receive some strategy to deal with these issues. And it can all be done confidentially. When you listen into this program, you're going to receive information that's good to you, that's going to unlock the mystery behind some things that you've been dealing with. It's going to unlock some issues that you've been going through and trying to handle on your own for a long time. Listen in with us. You're going to receive insight that's going to help you uh, expose some things going on with you and you can receive it all and you can respond to it all confidentially right here as you listen to us on Marriage and Family Clinic. So you can view this program as a grand opportunity to get some things right in your life and your relationship. Uh, this program, um, it, it's one that will help you understand how God impacts your life. And, and you can listen to this program uh, and understand how the enemy impacts your life and how you can stand in your own way. So, again, you have the grand opportunity to get some things right in your life and your relationships by tuning in to Marriage and Family Clinic. But at any rate, I'm so glad to have you on today, and I'm so glad to begin broadcasting on uh, additional stations also, WPCE and WBXB, and that's down in Northern North Carolina. So I'm privileged and I'm blessed for that opportunity. Um, before we get going, I want to pause for a moment and just to thank God for a totally wonderfully blessed and spirit-filled workers' conference last week in the Church of God in Christ, Virginia, Fourth Ecclesiastical Jurisdiction. The worship was heart-wrenching, and, and I mean, it just grabbed you. The preached word was like nothing I've seen or heard in a long time. There was even a wonderful peace among the believers who came from several parts of the state of Virginia to enjoy a week of worship and fellowship. It was truly worth the effort to get there and to be a part of that great meeting. Uh, I kind of feel like Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration when he saw Jesus transfigured, when he met with uh, Moses and Elijah on the mountain. I kind of feel like Peter, it was good for us to be there. All right. So tonight, today, I want to take a moment to lift up our uh, uh, conference because as we deal with men's issues, one issue every man needs to tend to, and that's his spiritual self. And that's why I'm making special mention of our conference last week. Every man has to deal with his spiritual self. Man, 
We have to take care of our spiritual lives. And I don't mean just reading a good book. I'm not talking about uh, being at one with your mind or getting in touch with your inner self uh, and whatever else is popular among new agers today. I'm not talking about all of that uh, surface and all of that shallow stuff. When I say we need to take care of our spiritual selves, I mean that it is imperative for every man that we have a right relationship with God and that we do all we can to rid ourselves of thoughts and ways and dispositions and conduct and behavior and thought processes that are not pleasing to God. We have to believe God, trust our lives to God and rid our lives of all that is not like God. We need to do as Romans 12 and 1 advises and present ourselves to God as living sacrifices that are holy and acceptable unto God. Now, I don't mean to bust nobody's bubble, and uh, I really didn't start off to preach here, but I might preach anyhow. Uh, listen. Regardless of what you hear preached in churches today, regardless of how much you hear that God loves you and God loves us, let me tell you something. God does love us. He loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son to die for us, to save us from our sin. But let me let me make it plain here. I want you to get this. There are some things that make God angry. God can still get angry. And to be ruled by sin and ignore the gift of his son, Jesus, that's enough to make him angry. God gets angry at sin. And the thing that calms God down, the thing that keeps God from passing his total wrath on us is the death, the life, the burial, the resurrection and the present day intercession of his son, Jesus Christ. Just wanted to throw that out there. So, man, you got to take care of your spiritual self. All right. Well, this is the 11th week I'm dealing with men and their issues. This is the 11th week that I'm dealing with men and their issues. And man, I tell you, uh, this time is going by so fast. And these 11 weeks, uh, that includes the previous three weeks that we devoted to men and pornography. And I must say that time has flown by extremely fast. I mean, time has really flown by. Uh, I won't be able to spend a whole year on the subject of men and their issues, even though it would not hurt in the least to spend a whole year on men and their issues. I just don't have time to do it. We have to get on to some other things. But this is the 11th week. And if you've listened to us, uh, if you listen, listen carefully during this series on men's issues, you'll notice that I haven't dealt much with dealing with boys or how boyhood impacts and influences manhood. I haven't dealt much with boys transitioning into manhood. I've pretty much begun with men and young adult and, and uh, gone forward. The reason for that is that I dealt with the subject of raising boys several months ago, back in December. It was back in December. I dealt pretty extensively with the needs of boys and how whether or not they have their needs met in boyhood, that's going to have a lot to do with. It's going to have a heavy impact and a lot of influence on what they experience in their manhood. 
So that was back in December. I talked about the boys' socialization. That is how much their environment and the people in their environment shape and mold them, the impact and the influence that their environment has on them. That's their socialization. And then I talked specifically about how critical it is for boys to have a man in their life to model appropriate behavior, to teach him to monitor himself and to hold him accountable and to validate his emotions. So I went over all of that back in December. And uh, that, for that reason, I haven't dealt a lot with boys and little boys and boyhood and youth in this series on men and their issues. I've gone directly into young adulthood men and uh, carried it forward. Uh, but it's all related. Now, I do recommend that those couple of airings be combined with this series on manhood so that you can get a full perspective on becoming and being a man. So those things that we presented back in December, oh boy, combine them with this series on men and their issues. It'll give you a fuller perspective of what we're dealing with here. And, and uh, if you desire to hear those, you can find those podcasts on uh, 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 iTunes or you can go to any podcast player and just search C.D. Hodges. You'll come up with Marriage and Family Clinic. Again, go to iTunes or any podcast player and search C.D. Hodges and you will come up with marriage and family clinic. But tonight, 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 uh, I want to shift gears just a little bit. Again, we finished three weeks dealing with men and pornography. I'm going to shift gears just a little bit tonight. And I want to talk about men and their ideas about material gain, wealth building, wealth, uh, material gain. I want to talk about that subject there. Uh, and, and this is an important one. Uh, it's not uncommon at all for a man to connect his worth to how much money he makes or the things that he owns. You may have heard the slogan, he who dies with the most toys win. And I don't know who said it, but it's pretty popular. It means that to that person, life is all about striving to accumulate a mass of material things in order to establish one's worth and beat one's neighbor. I don't know what the game is, but it's about beating one's neighbor. And that particular saying, it paints the picture of men in some kind of a false, petty competition to see who has the most stuff. And when I say stuff, I'm simply referring to material things. Uh, they want some competition to see who has the most stuff. And the one with the most stuff when he dies wins. And, and I don't know what you think about it, but to me, that sounds truly asinine. But as asinine and as ignorant as it is, it serves as motivation and inspiration for some. I have to get more stuff. I need to get more stuff. Uh, keeping up with the Joneses, etc., etc. I have to get more stuff. And some of us even believe that we cannot love a woman properly if we're not able to offer her a lot of things. But generally speaking, good women don't marry you or don't link up with you or establish relationships with you because they're interested in a lot of things. I said good women. 
Now, you have some other things out there. And if you want to know about that, go back to the series on women. But uh, uh, if you think that you're going to impress a woman with a lot of things, you're missing the meaning of a man-woman relationship. Uh, if you can't take inventory of your stuff until you die, you'll never know if you want or not because you're dead. Too many men get in the race to get more stuff. And while they're racing as fast as they can to get more stuff, they leave character behind. And so when I'm talking about men and their ideas and perceptions of material things and material gain and wealth building and wealth gaining, so forth and so on. Listen, the most important thing that you can gain and pass on is good character. If you don't have good character, you would just be a rich, I had to grab my tongue there, something almost slipped. But uh, uh, education doesn't make a man wise. Education doesn't make a man pure. Uh, education does not give a man character. Well, why would I say that? Because it was a whole bunch of highly educated folks on Wall Street that almost bankrupted this country just a few years ago. I'm still surprised that we couldn't get any of them to go to jail for anything. But uh, th those were a whole bunch of smart people. They were so smart. They were so intelligent. They ways to make up money. They literally, they merely figured out ways to pull money out of the clear blue sky. They were so smart, but they left character behind. And so they had nothing to root them and to ground them in truth, in righteousness, in, in, in scruples, in integrity. So all I'm saying to you is that too many men get all the stuff they thought they wanted only to find out that it doesn't do for them what they thought it was going to do. And if you're wrestling, if you're striving, if you're fighting, if you're working three or four jobs, if you're not taking care of your family emotionally, spiritually, physically, etc., etc., if you're not doing those things because you're striving to get more money so you can get more stuff, you need to be extremely careful because you may find out that you get what you want. But when you get what you want, you also find out that it doesn't do for you what you thought it was going to do. Solomon found this out in the Bible. In Ecclesiastes chapters 1 and 2, Solomon said multiple times, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, Solomon said, I've surveyed all the money I have, all the property I own, all the accomplishments of my life. I look at my 300 wives, my 700 girlfriends, and it's all vanity. <clears throat> It's all vanity. Vanity means that it's all empty. It doesn't satisfy the true longing in my heart. It doesn't give, the, give me the meaning that I thought it was going to. It doesn't satisfy my longing to be a man of purpose like I thought it was going. I thought when I got all the stuff, it was going to answer the longing and the emptiness and the hole in my heart, in my soul. But it has not done it. It's all vanity. Regardless of how many toys you have, there will always be a void in your heart that things just cannot feel. If you don't get anything else tonight, man, listen to me and get this right here.
regardless of how many toys you have i don't care what kind of car you drive what kind of house you live in i don't care if your office is looking over downtown and and you're way up 30 40 50 stories high etc cetera, etc cetera. you know the the uh, uh the popular description of success you can have all of that you want but there will always be a void in your heart that things just cannot feel. So if it's your theory that he who has the most toys win, you can balance that with another theory. I've never seen a U-Haul hooked behind a hearse. I've never seen a U-Haul hooked behind a hearse. It's a waste of time and effort to work untirely to get more stuff. And one, you can't take it with you when you die. And most importantly, two, you don't have anyone to share it with. I remember the movie, uh, uh, Show Me the Money movie, uh, Jerry Maguire. My wife had to help me out there. I remember in the movie, Jerry Maguire. Tom Cruise's character, Jerry Maguire, he had a big night uh, as a as a, a uh, an athletic agent, a sports agent. He had a big night. And then he went and found the wife that he was separated from, and he threw himself humbly at her feet and said, "You know, I had a big night, but I looked around and I had no one to share it with." So the thing that brought him to his senses, the thing that made him see himself for who he was, was that he looked around. He had gotten a lot of money, a lot of notoriety, a lot of fame, but he had nobody to share it with. So no matter how many toys you get, you can't take it with you. And if you don't have anybody to share it with, you're still going to have big holes, not just one hole, but big holes in your heart and in your soul. Jesus puts it this way, and I'm paraphrasing again. Jesus puts it this way in Luke 12 and 15. Man, you have to be extremely careful how you set your sights on getting more things. Be careful because you may start wanting something that belongs to somebody else. That's coveting. Be careful of covetousness. Your life is not, your life is not a measure of how much stuff you own. You better believe when you chase stuff, because you believe stuff expresses your worth, you will undoubtedly form the wrong kind of attachment to your stuff. When you chase stuff, believing that stuff is the indicator of who you are and how important you are and your purpose and your assignment in the earth, when you believe that stuff and things can demonstrate that, you will undoubtedly, most assuredly, form the right, the wrong relationship with your stuff. If you draw your dignity from what you drive and what you wear, what you live in, or what's in your bank account, then you don't know who you are and you don't know the importance of life. If you feel like you have to accumulate more things so people will notice you and consider you to be important, then you don't know the existential meaning of life. In short, you are lost. If you are so busy chasing things, 
trying to express your purpose and importance and you don't have close relationships with others, you don't know what it means to live and you are in fact lost. Now I want to pause for a minute and, and just say something here. Please, please, please don't mistake or please don't make the mistake of thinking that I'm saying something is inherently wrong with having a lot of things or being wealthy. That's not what I'm saying at all. And certainly that's not what God is saying in his word. I don't know about you, but I would rather live in a house with a secure roof than a grass hut. I would rather drive a nice, dependable car that the uh, one that I can trust to get me to the store and back from point A and point B than drive a hoopty. I would rather eat healthier meat than bologna all the time. God doesn't mind us having nice things. And when we work jobs, when we we put forth labor and when we are paid and we handle our money wisely, then we can save and deal wisely in our finances and we can accumulate nice things. But see, when you do it that way, you form the right relationship with your stuff and your stuff don't overtake you. You own your stuff and your stuff doesn't own you. Here's the deal, man. Here's the deal. Whether you live in a mansion or a shack, whether you drive a Bugatti or a Hoopty, whether you eat caviar or sardines, your character doesn't have to change. And let me tell you something, if you don't have solid character before you get the nicer things, your character is only de going to degrade more when you do get the nicer things. You can have solid character because you know the meaning and the purpose of things in your life and you know the meaning of life. Oftentimes we say when people begin to get money or get nice things or something like that, we say they change. They're not as friendly, as nice, as loving, as kind as they used to be. They have changed. Well, I want to help you understand something. Those folks didn't change. When they accumulated more stuff, they just had the liberty and the freedom to be who they really were all the time. Listen, every man should know the dignity of work. Now, I want you all to give me a little latitude here. Give me a little latitude to sound old fashioned. And please be patient with me. Even give me a little latitude to sound a little sexist. But an able-bodied man who is content allowing a woman to support him is an anomaly. That is not the norm, whether it be your girlfriend, your wife, or your mother. Any able-bodied man who is content allowing a woman to support him, that is an anomaly. Man, you are not the norm if that's you. And I use the term man lightly. Now, I'm getting ready to say a couple of things here, and I'm, I'm telling you up front, I haven't researched this. I don't have the data to back it up. I'm speaking from my own anecdotal evidence. There is something in a man's DNA that pushes him to go to work. Go make something happen. Go conquer something. 
Go put your hands to work. Accomplish something. Produce an output. Produce something. Labor and get paid for it. That's a major part of manhood. And if you call yourself a man and you don't have that sense of duty inside of you, if, if you don't have that sense of work inside of you, you are missing something in your manhood. <clears throat> you are truly missing something in your manhood. In the beginning, God told Adam, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to eat. That means man is supposed to work. Now, here's what my imagination says. God puts something in the man that makes him get inspired by work so that he will keep on working, so that he will want to work, so that he won't be satisfied not working. And that's why I said an able-bodied man who doesn't work and allows a woman to take care of him is an anomaly. And I preface that with able-bodied man for a purpose. I don't want any smart aleck to call me up or write me or contact me and say, well, what if a man is unable to work? What if he's disabled? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you are able-bodied man and it's your time to work and something in you is saying to you that it's okay not to work. If you are able-bodied man and it's your time to work and something is in you saying that it's okay not to work, let a woman take care of you, be it your wife, your girlfriend, or your mother. If that voice tells you it's okay not to work, you're missing what it means to be a man. And the longer you let this go on, hmm, the deeper it's going to get. All right. Uh, I have no problem telling any woman also. If that's the kind of man you have, you need to look long and hard at your relationship. If it's your son, you need to kick that little eaglet out of the nest. You better ask yourself, isn't it time for him to get out of the nest? If it's your boyfriend. And you all have been dating for a couple of years or more. And he's still not working and hasn't offered to marry you. You better ask yourself, are you in the right relationship? Where is this thing going? Because the longer you let it go on, the longer he's going to let it go on. Why would he change? There is no motivation to change. You're taking care of him. You just might want to lay Janet Jackson's line on him and ask him, what have you done for me lately? Every man ought to know the dignity of work. It's an anomaly also to be an able-bodied man who will make children with a woman but won't marry her and won't care for the children. And I know I'll probably catch some flack for this, but this is how it is right now. This is, this is just right anyhow. Here's the conclusion every man and woman ought to come to. That is, any child that is here in the earth didn't ask to come here. And the most important conclusion every man and woman ought to come to is every child is a gift of God. And when we make them, we owe it to them to care for them. Man, you may not get along with your baby mama. And there may, may be a whole lot of baby mama drama, but you got to take care of and support the children you cause to come into this world. They deserve that much. You have to insert yourself into their lives. And listen, if you have money, support them. But whether or not you have money, there's one thing that you can give to your children that you brought here that doesn't cost you much at all. And that's character. Some men have a problem with a woman who earns more money than he does. A moment ago, I told you about that part in us that God put there. That part that wants to make something happen or go conquer something. 
Well, that part of us can get twisted sometimes. And instead of proudly going out and making something happen, we shrink in envy because we have a woman in our lives who make more money than we do. If you happen to be in a relationship with a woman who makes more than you, don't sweat the small stuff. No matter how much money a woman makes, she still has the same needs, love and security. There's something about you that has convinced her that you are the one who can provide for her needs, love and security. So don't prove her wrong by shrinking in envy because she makes more money than you do. Celebrate her because she's a woman of knowledge, skills and abilities. Celebrate her because she is marketable. Celebrate her because others are sure celebrating her. And if you won't celebrate her, there are others in the world who will keep on celebrating her. She's earning an income because she's capable. Would you rather have a woman who's lazy and just sucks up your money and can't be trusted? And I don't mean to slight women here, but it makes for a good example. Listen, she's making money because she's capable. You are not less capable and you are not less because she makes more. Remember, whether you drive a Bugatti or a Hoopty, your character makes all the difference in the world. Here's the deal. You need to discover the purpose of material things. A preacher said to me a long time ago that if you don't know the purpose of a thing, you're bound to abuse it. And men, if you don't know the purpose of material things, of wealth, of money, if you you are bound to abuse it. If you don't know the purpose of material things or wealth of money, you're bound to establish the wrong relationship. And you're going to chase things thinking that things make you who you are and things do not make you who you are. Material things are not the indicator of your worth or your importance. The purpose of material things is to provide for your living, to provide for your family's living to help others provide for themselves when they're unable to, to share the goodness and the blessings of the Lord in your life. That's the purpose of material things. So please understand this tonight. Watch your attachment to material things. Material things do not establish your worth. You'd better find out who you are in God. Hey, listen, I'm out of time this week. I've enjoyed this. Uh, time has gone by fast. I hope something's been said to encourage you and enlighten you, help you look deep inside yourself. If you want to hear this or any past uh, broadcast, go to iTunes or any podcast player and just search C.D. Hodges. Just search C.D. Hodges and you'll come up with our uh, Marriage and Family Clinic podcast. You can download it. You can listen to it at your will. Uh, again, we're going to be on uh, different radio stations beginning this week. Hope to catch you there. If you want to contact us, email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Listen, email me with a question. Email me and let me know whether I'm getting anything done or whether I'm just wasting your time. Email me with subjects you would like for me to cover. Email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Hey, listen, that's all the time we got. Appreciate you joining us on this week's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. Hey, we got to get out of here. Remember, you can't have peace unless you surrender your life to the Prince of Peace. God bless you. We're out.